It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's to the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time, fires, end zone, it's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it is Wednesday, which means it's time for Midweek with Manish. Manish Mehta covering the Jets for the New York Daily News. So, Manish, I hear there was some sort of trade? Yeah, yeah, there was. Uh, Bradley McDougal got traded That's right. to the Jets. A big, <laughs> a big move for the, you know, jolt at the NFL. Uh, I don't want to disrespect Bradley McDougal. He's a solid player. But, yes, Jamal Adams is no longer a New York Jet, which is a really strange thing to say. If you had you know, asked me about this uh, a year ago, this time last summer, uh, and, and said, hey, Jamal Adams won't be on the team a year from now, I would have probably laughed and said, uh, I have no idea why you would say something so silly, because uh, he's the uh, the heartbeat of the team and uh, a young superstar. So, uh, But that's where we are. He is uh, now a Seattle Seahawk. The Jets have additional draft capital to work with, and uh, – yeah, we will see. Uh, you know how this all shakes out over time because it's going to take time. The Jets got two first-round draft picks from Seattle, 2021, 2022. They also got a 2021 third-round pick. Uh, the Jets had to give up uh, a 2021 fourth-rounder uh, in addition to Jamal Adams. So, a uh, blockbuster deal. I think you know. I think this qualifies as uh, a blockbuster trade. Uh, an All-Pro, 24-year-old safety. Really, uh, you know, the the best player on this team is no longer on this team. So, uh, you know, a lot that I'm sure we're going to unpack. But, uh, you know, that was the uh, that was the non-COVID headliner in the NFL over the last several days for sure. Certainly a lot to talk about as it pertains to the Jamal Adams trade. And we'll get into that after we get through with all the other news surrounding the Jets. And I was saying before we started recording, it's nice at least that we have some actual news to talk about for the first time in a while. Let's talk first about two of the players that are unfortunately going to be put on reserve for the time being. Bryce Hall, the fifth-round pick out of Virginia, being one of them. What do we know about this? Well, look, Bryce Hall and uh, an undrafted rookie free agent, uh, Shaheem Carter, uh, both of those guys were placed on what is called the reserve COVID-19 list. Uh, uh, You're placed on that list if you either test positive or if you've been quarantined because you've been uh, in close contact with someone who has tested positive. So, uh, you know, it'll be a, a couple of weeks before those guys kind of get back in the swing of things. And, you know, as Jet fans know, Bryce Hall's already, you know, rehabbing from injury. So it kind of, you know, puts him a little bit behind. Uh, I'm not sure what you could have realistically expected from him this year, given, uh, you know, the injury that he had suffered that ended his college career. Uh, and given that it's going to be a challenge, frankly, for, for all rookies this season uh, and one player did opt out uh, an offensive lineman I'm absolutely going to butcher his name but I'm going to give it a shot uh, I'm going to say it's Leo Kola Matangi uh, he's a player 
who was on the team a year ago. He actually has done some pretty good things uh, in terms of COVID awareness. Uh, he's from Hawaii, and uh, I believe he started his own website to give people information uh, and uh, really a resource point for uh, you know what uh, you know what COVID nineteen is all about. And this is something that he had started uh, many months ago. So uh, he's a player who has opted out. I believe uh, as of now, he's the only Jet player who has opted out. So uh, those are the three guys who are not going to be around, uh, you know, one for the entire season and the other two for, you know, the foreseeable future here. And uh, that's it for COVID-19. Uh, in terms of football, uh, a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, you know, as we talked about, uh, about I don't know, five or six weeks ago, uh, when I reported the Jets had uh, talked to Kyle Long, the, the Bears' former Pro Bowl offensive lineman who retired after the season, I reported that the Jets uh, talked to him about the possibility of coming out of retirement. Uh, you know, Long actually denied that he had any talk with the Jets uh, back then at the time. And uh, during Joe Douglas's press conference the other day, uh, you know, I asked him about it, and he said that he indeed did talk to Kyle Long. Uh, the way he framed it was that there were some ideas that were thrown out there. He didn't get into any specifics. My understanding is that one of those ideas that was thrown out there was the possibility of coming out of retirement. Uh, now, those guys have a good relationship. Douglas uh, said that, uh, you know, they cultivated that relationship in 2015, the one year that uh, Joe was uh, in the front office, uh, director of college scouting, I believe, for Chicago. So that's how those guys know each other. Uh, you know, he framed it like it was a conversation uh, between two friends, but again, he also said that there were some ideas thrown out there, and uh, you know, I've been told that uh, you know one of those ideas was, hey, you know, what do you think about coming out of retirement? So, uh, just a little bit of housekeeping there. Uh, Kyle Long is currently retired. We'll see if it stays that way. We'll see if uh, you know he lands in a different on a different team or or he's he's content uh, being done. But uh, but uh, you know that was uh, Joe Douglas on the record saying that he indeed did talk to Long uh, and they did discuss a number of things. So everybody can calm down now yelling about how Manish manufactured this because obviously he didn't as Joe Douglas addressed it himself when he talked to the media the other day. He said some other things too, Manish, some about Jamal Adams, some about topics not related to Jamal Adams. What did the general manager have to say? Yeah, obviously uh, Jamal Adams dominated uh, the conference call he had earlier this week. Uh, you know, he, he he did say that uh, there were teams other than Seattle that you know that were interested in Adams, and that's to be expected just because of the caliber of player that Jamal is. But uh, he also said that it quickly became obvious to him that Seattle was going to be the team. If there was going to be a deal, it was going to be Seattle because they were very aggressive in their pursuit of him, and then ultimately, uh, I think giving up that second first round pick, uh, you know, led to. Uh, led Joe to think that maybe a deal could be done. Uh, my understanding is that they initially started talking about a month or so ago. It's about the time when uh, Jamal and his representatives requested permission to seek a trade. They never got that permission from the Jets, so it's not as if uh, Jamal's camp was trying to coordinate a trade. This was uh, done strictly through the Jets uh, and Joe Douglas. But uh, my understanding is that those discussions with Seattle – you know, happened a month or so ago, uh, got, you know, became fairly serious, I would say, even back then. But uh, a general framework was set about five days prior to to the deal actually going through. I know that Seattle had some concerns, reservations about the uncertainty of the 2021 salary cap. 
but th- that kind of got ironed out in on Friday, I believe. Uh, now, look, look I, I think that Joe Douglas wanted Jamal Adams to come to camp uh, to kind of see if things could could uh, be smoothed over. Uh, he, he never had any intention of trading Jamal Adams. Uh, why would he? It's it's the team's best player, uh, a young player, uh, the best player clearly that that uh, Greg Williams had on defense. So uh, this was not something that Joe Douglas had planned when he got the job, uh, you know, 15 or so months ago. But, uh, you know, for reasons that you and I, I'm sure, will discuss shortly, things devolved over the past uh, six months. And uh, you know, obviously the last straw was uh, some pretty strong statements that he made uh, when I talked to him, uh, you know, a day or I guess it was a day technically before the, the trade was uh, official uh, or not official, but uh, agreed upon between both sides. So, you know, we, we can discuss the details on that. Uh, Joe was, uh, you know, pretty clear in, in emphatic, I, I would even say, in suggesting that he did not make any promises to Jamal or his camp about uh, giving him an offer. Uh, clearly Jamal Adams thinks differently and we can discuss that as well. But, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's a it's a big decision to make for for any general manager. Uh, I know it's not uh, centered on the quarterback, and, and so people can say, well, you know, how big of a decision is it? It's not really dealing with the quarterback, and that's a fair point. But uh, you know, all things being said, uh, this is a, a potentially franchise changing move for both the Seattle Seahawks and uh, the New York Jets because Seattle is a playoff contender. Uh, They won a playoff game last year. They're a Super Bowl contender uh, as long as Russell Wilson is still healthy, and they needed help on the defensive side. I think they made some really good additions in addition to uh, Jamal this offseason. But, uh, you know, they're they're a team that's eyeing to win the Super Bowl in 2020, 2021, you know, over the next several years. Jamal Adams makes obviously a lot of sense for them. The Jets – in Joe Douglas's estimation, regardless of what he may have said publicly, I think he believes that uh, this team still needs a few years before they can really have a, an opportunity to be a true contender in this league. And uh, you know, given all of the stuff that happened with Jamal this offseason uh, and the fact that he's getting two first-round picks, uh, they're not going to be top ten picks in all likelihood. We can't say that definitively. But uh, if, you, if you go under the assumption, at least, that the Seattle is going to be a good team, and even in recent history, uh, you know, you'd have to assume that they're going to get a pick, you know, in the the mid twenties, you know, low to mid twenties, somewhere in that neighborhood. So, uh, you know, obviously John Schneider, the, the GM in Seattle, thought that was worth giving up to get a player of Jamal's ca- caliber. And uh, as Joe Douglas said, and of all the things he said during the press conference, I think the one that probably will resonate is that he obviously needs to hit on these draft picks for this to be a good deal for the Jets. So. You know, it's going to take a number of years, Scott. Uh, you know, that second first-round pick is a 2022 first-round pick, and you want to give that player a couple years to to prove his worth. So we're talking about probably at least four years before we have really any clear idea uh, about who won this trade. We're going to get back to the whole situation and the nuts and bolts of the trade in a bit. But first, let's continue with what Joe Douglas had to say. I know he showed a bit of confidence in his friend and the head coach, Adam Gase. But then again, what would you expect him to say? Right. Now, he publicly said that he believes uh, in Gase uh, and he believes he's the right leader for this team. You would not expect him to say anything else publicly. Uh, Not everybody's going to take the Jamal Adams path. You know, it's very difficult for a current player, 
uh, current coach and executive uh, to to criticize the current head coach. I mean, that is it's an unusual, you know, it's an unusual thing to do. That's why people uh, were, were talking about it uh, when Jamal did it. It's 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 not par for the course. Now, Paul, uh, privately, I, mean, I hear it all the time about not not just Adam Gase, but uh, you know, about other coaches and players. I hear all that kind of stuff, uh, you know, behind the scenes routinely. Uh, publicly, however, uh, you don't uh, find very many people take the path that Jamal did. So, yes, Joe Douglas said that he believes in Adam Gase. Uh, you know, I, I think the reality is that Joe Douglas knows Adam Gase's shortcomings, and uh, he's not going to say that publicly. But, uh, you know, you, you've got to present a united front. That's what the Jets have to do right now. Because I can tell you privately that there's people in that organization, players and other people in different positions, who are ticked off that Jamal Adams is no longer a Jet and that they, he was jettisoned a few days before the start of training camp. But, uh, you know, the Jets can't worry about that right now uh, in terms of, you know, Joe Douglas and, and I'm Adam Gates, I should say. Uh, you know, they have to present a united front. They have to move forward. Uh, uh, you know, they're fully aware of uh, what happened behind the scenes with Jamal Adams over the last six, seven, eight months. But Jamal Adams is no longer a New York Jet, so they have to turn the page. That's the, you know, that's the... Uh, you know, that's the united front, again, that they have to present internally as well to their players because, you know, I know it's strength and conditioning and they don't actually get on the field for a couple of weeks because of the new protocols, but uh, these guys are, you know, going to be in the building soon enough and uh, and they're starting up meetings right now. So uh, if you're the general manager and the head coach, uh, you really, for as great of a player and leader as Jamal Adams was for the past three seasons, uh you know, in your mind, as a, as a head coach and a general manager, you, you have to you have to turn the page. You have to move on and and set your sights on 2020 with the group that you have. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress, and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. After Joe Douglas spoke, the next day we heard from head coach Adam Gase and the quarterback Sam Darnold. Let's start with the coach. What did he have to say? I know he spoke about Jamal Adams, including saying he wanted players that wanted to be here, and clearly Jamal Adams did not want to be here. What did he have to say on that issue and everything else? Yeah, you know, he initially uh, said all the right things. Uh, he, he wishes uh, he wishes Jamal well in Seattle. I'm pretty sure that 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 probably isn't true. Uh, he also said uh, that uh, he believes that Jamal Adams is an incredible talent. That's obviously true. Uh, talked about how challenging it had been uh, for the prior two years uh, going up against Jamal Adams, and how he's going to get an opportunity to go up against Adams again late this season when. The Jets go to Seattle if the schedule still holds, uh, you know, in December. Uh, so the talent is undeniable. Uh, that being said, you know, what I thought was interesting, uh, you know, of the things that Jamal said to me about Gase, uh, he made it clear he did not think that Gase was the right leader to take this team to the Super Bowl, uh, you know, to win a title. Uh, and he also cited a specific example about how uh, when things got tough and the team was struggling at halftime, uh, Gates would not address the team as a whole. Uh, he would leave uh, the locker room and have another pl- uh, coach, uh, an assistant coach, uh, d- address everybody uh, a- as a group. Uh, I mean, here's the reality and the facts of what happened in 2019 in that regard. The Jets trailed at halftime in seven games. Uh, they were tied uh, once at halftime, uh, week 16 against Pittsburgh. And there were a couple other games where they were struggling, but it was still, they were leading, but they were still struggling. Week one against Buffalo, they were up 6 nothing at halftime. And then in the season finale, week 17 against Buffalo, they were winning 3 to nothing. So, uh, you know, not particularly playing great, at least offensively. Uh, of those seven games that they were trailing at halftime, five of them came in the first half of the season. And of those five games, they were shut out in three of those five games. So they obviously... Uh, and I'm not breaking any news here, but they obviously struggled in the first half of the season. There's a reason why they were one in seven. Uh, when when asked about that uh, this week, Gase, you know, curiously did not acknowledge the first half of the season. He he took a took a jab at Jamal's assertion that he doesn't address the team by uh, pointing out he obviously had this you know this this information uh, you know ready to go. He pointed out that the Jets were only trailing twice in the second half of the season. That's absolutely true. They were trailing against Cincinnati in Week 13, and they were trailing against the Ravens on that Thursday night game in Week 15. Uh, and again, they were they were uh, tied at halftime against Pittsburgh. But they were only trailing twice in the in the second half of the season. Uh, Gase said that he did indeed dre- address the team uh, in Cincinnati, uh, and in that game, uh, if you remember, I believe that's the game that Jamal tweaked his ankle. So. Gase claims that at halftime, Jamal wasn't even in the yeah, in the room with everybody. He was getting uh, treatment in the trainer's room. And then uh, Gase also said he addressed the team uh, at halftime in Baltimore. And obviously, Jamal did not play in that game because he was injured. Uh, he 
Gates, however, did not did not acknowledge any of the gains in the first half of the season when they were struggling, when they were down 16-3 at halftime to the Browns, when they were down 21 nothing to Philly, when they were down 24 nothing to the Patriots, when they were down 21-12 to the Dolphins. He didn't acknowledge any of those games for some reason, and that's you know that's part for the course you know with Adam Gates. There you know there's a reality, and then there's his reality. Uh, what I will say, Scott, and 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 I've written about this. It'll be in the New York Daily News on Wednesday. Uh, what I will say is that there is an opportunity here you know, f- for Adam Gase to, to really learn valuable lessons from what came out of this Jamal Adams saga. Because uh, it's got to sting him. You wouldn't be human if it, if it didn't hurt you in some way when your best player calls you out publicly. Uh, you know, I... You can be macho about it and pretend that you're, you know, you're not stung by it. But anybody with any feelings, uh, you know, would would uh, would be hurt by that on some level. So clearly, this bothered Adam Gase, on, you know, on some level. Uh, I just think this is a great opportunity for him, frankly, to look in the mirror and to say, "Hey, look, you know, was this just a malcontent player, or was this really, you know, this 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 leader, this this player that inspired everybody else, telling me that I need to be better at being a leader?" Because he has leadership deficiencies. I mean, I don't want to say everybody, because you know, and not everybody thinks the same. But the, the prevailing sentiment is that he is not a good leader, and that has been the prevailing sentiment not only in New York but in Miami as well. So this is an opportunity to improve as a communicator, to improve as a leader, and as a result, improve as a head coach. Uh, so I think that he can learn from this if he wants to learn from this. Otherwise, he's just really going to be what he's been to this point, which is a guy who has some good offensive ideas but kind of just crawls into a hole when things get tough. And that is really, I think, what bothered people in the building the most. What things were tough last year, specifically in the first half of the season, obviously, uh, he did not rise to the occasion. He did not inspire people. He did not galvanize people. He kind of just went into a shell. And that turned a lot of people, including Jamal Adams, the wrong way. Uh, and that's undeniable. I know that because Jamal Adams is not the only person who told me this. Many people told me this, and that bothered a lot of people. So he does have an opportunity, you know, uh, amid all of this mess uh, with Jamal Adams, he does have a chance to grow, to evolve, and to and to say, hey, look, you know what? I probably hate. I mean, this guy obviously, this player hates my guts. You know, honestly, I I hate this guy's guts for saying that. But there's truth in what this player said, and because of what he said, if I just take some personal inventory, I can become a better leader because of it. For anybody that's going to accuse me of letting Manish filibuster on this, trust me, stick around for when we do the overview of the Jamal Adams situation, because we're going to bump heads plenty when we get to the part of this conversation where we go through the whole Jamal Adams timeline. So I'll let him get this out now. Gase also, by the way, said that he's looking forward to coaching Le'Veon Bell this year. And then Sam Darnold talked And he said that he thinks Gase is the right leader for this team, which is exactly what Joe Douglas said. He said that he enjoyed playing with Jamal Adams but couldn't speak to other people's experience. And then the big reveal, Manish, he says that he is going to be essentially doing nothing but living in his apartment and going to the practice field and to the games. And that's it. Nothing in between. So this is going to be a very serious Sam Darnold for the 2020 season. Yeah, look, Sam is going to be very responsible here. Uh, he, he's, he's, he's hoping that his teammates will, will follow suit. So uh, I think he used an example like if your buddies come in, uh, into town or if your buddies want to go into the city, 
you just got to be smart, and it's it's probably painful to to quarantine yourself essentially, and and you know live at the facility, and then live at your apartment, and do uh, you know little else over the course of 17 weeks. But but that kind of discipline is required, uh, not only for Sam Darnold, not only for the Jets, but for every NFL player. It stinks. I mean, we, we all understand that. Uh, but these guys love football, and we love watching football and, and talking about football. And uh, because the NFL is not in a bubble like the MLS and like major uh, and like the NBA, uh, you have to be disciplined. You have to, you know, hold yourselves accountable as a team. Uh, and that was brought up today as well. You know, players have to hold each other accountable to do the right things during this you know highly unusual time. And, uh, you know, Sam Donald has missed time in each of his first two seasons, one because of injury and one because of, uh, you know, fluky, a fluky illness uh, in mono. Uh, you know, he doesn't want to miss time, obviously, for any reason. But I think that the time away, you know, missing the three games in each of those first two seasons, you know, it, 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 it sucked. I guess that's the best way for me to put it. Uh, it sucked for him. And, and he realized how frustrating it was, and he realized – he does not want that to happen, and if he can control, you know, that to a certain degree by by being smart, by taking the the, the proper precautions, and not being reckless. And when I say reckless, that means going into the city and, and doing things that could potentially expose you to getting sick. You know that he's gonna he's gonna make sure he does that. And, and, and he's a young guy. He's got a lot to learn in life, obviously, but he's mature for his age, and I think that's. What's most impressive to me, uh, you know, he could have expounded a little bit more about the Jamal Adams trade. He did make it clear that he loved playing with Jamal, but he also made it clear that he can't he can't speak for Jamal's experiences. He did not uh, go through what Jamal did over these six months with Joe Douglas with the team. He he just didn't experience that. So you know, he takes the cautious approach. You know, he's not going to rock the boat. He's not going to make a lot of waves. That's just not in his DNA. Uh, but I think if you asked him, even in a private moment, look, he, he, he knows how great of a player Jamal was. He knows the impact that Jamal had on this team. Uh, you know, he's a different personality than Jamal. That, that's pretty obvious, right? I mean, those guys are practically the same age, maybe a year or so apart. But they have different personalities. But he respects the man's game. He, I don't think that, that Sam Darnold would ever diminish Jamal Adams' impact over these past, uh, you know, t- for, for him, past two years. But at the same time, you know, Sam Darnold's not a guy who's going to venture, uh, you know, out of his lane. Uh, there are some people that will. Uh, I respect those people, and, and I respect the people like Darnold that, uh, that say, hey, you know what, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be on the team side. Uh, I'm not going to take a shot at Jamal Adams, but ultimately, you know, I'm going to be hopeful that we're on the right track and we're doing the right things. Look, that's why he's exceedingly complimentary about Adam Gase. That's why he was exceedingly complimentary about Todd Bowles, uh, about uh, you know every coach that he's had, Jeremy Bates, his previous offensive coordinator. And I mean, that's just who Sam Darnold is. I mean, that's what you're going to get out of Sam Darnold. And I, you know, I have a lot of respect for that. I would like to see him assume more of a leadership role. I think that's what he wants to do. Uh, I think it's natural. I, I think he has always said that you know he wants to grow into that and not force it. And this is, uh, you know, another year of experience under his belt. He's he's older now. And I think that, uh, you know, as he said, he's going to try to take some of the younger players under his wing. 
uh, as uh, Adam Gase said, and I believe uh, Jordan Palmer, who coached him and worked with him all, all season, has said he has taken uh, you know extra interest in making sure that he's cultivating relationships on the defensive side of the ball as well. So he's not just in that you know in the offensive bubble. Uh, if you're going to be a leader uh, as the quarterback, you really have to be the leader of the entire team, not just the offense. So I think those things are going to come with him. I, I really do. Uh, now you know perhaps the most important element to all of this is being more consistent as a player on the field, and that's really what he needs to do uh, to take the next step in his development. Manish, with this deal, a lot of people think that this could open the door to another move for the Jets. The two big names everybody is talking about, Jadavian Clowney, who may actually end up a teammate of Jamal Adams in Seattle. There's an offer on the table there, apparently, according to Corbin Smith, who is on the show one year in the 15 to $16 million range. But we do know that Bradley McDougal, the new safety who comes in here to replace Jamal Adams, had a chat with his buddy Jadavion Clowney and talked about how Clowney said that the Jets should, quote, come get him. I'm sure he would love that because that would mean the Jets are paying him. I'm sure it's really more about that than actually wanting to come and play in New York or anything like that. And then Logan Ryan, we've talked about this before, Manish, and you've gotten a lot of ridicule for this. But as I've pointed out many times, you were backed up not only by the very big deal Chris Nimbley, but by Mike Garofalo and Ian Rappaport and NFL Network that the Jets expected to get a deal done. Does this open the door for the Jets to maybe make another run at Logan Ryan? Because with Jamal Adams gone, Logan Ryan seems like he would be the perfect fit to take that role over in terms of being the pass-rushing member of the secondary. He's a really effective pass rusher from that spot, the same way that Jamal Adams was. Any shot that the Jets take another look at Clowney or Logan Ryan? Well, I don't think... uh... Unless they change, you know, their outlook, and that's certainly possible. It's hard to get into into their heads uh, sometimes, as I've as I've learned <laughs> at different points. But uh, unless they change their stance on Clowney, uh, you know, I, I don't think he'd be uh, coming to the Jets. Uh, you know, it, it's certainly possible. You know, again, I hate, you know, you never say never. Uh, but what I was told during the off season was that uh, it was not in the works. Now, I was also told that. Look, they, they'd love to get a young pass rusher. I don't know if Clowney fits that mold. Uh, but then I was told by a third person that Clowney's not necessarily somebody that Joe Douglas would want. Uh, you can read into that however you want. But I didn't think they were particularly close. I, at least I was told that they weren't particularly close to getting anything done with Clowney during free agency. So that's just the, you know, the information that I had gotten over the course of the, the past several months. Uh, and look, Logan Ryan, I said, I don't even remember, six weeks ago, that the Jets thought that they were going to sign him. I mean, that's what the Jets thought. That's what they told me. That's what I reported. And uh, it didn't happen. But just from a fo- football perspective, you're absolutely right. I mean, it makes a, a ton of sense, especially now that they have a void in their secondary with Jamal gone. I know McDougald is there, but clearly, you know, if you want a guy who can play in the slot, he can do a lot of different things. Uh, you know, some people believe that he'll ultimately become a safety, uh, Logan Ryan, that is. Uh, he makes a lot of sense for them, and he, and they know he makes a lot of sense for them because they told me that they thought they were going to sign him. <laughs> so I, I don't know what's going to happen with Logan Ryan, but clearly, you know, just from an X's and O's and a football standpoint, he would help them out a lot. Manish, last order of business, because we're going to resume this with part two tomorrow where we really dive in 
on the Jamal Adams situation. Let's talk about what's going on with the New England Patriots. Six of their players have opted out due to corona concerns. Three of them important starters. Marcus Cannon, who's a starting tackle. Dante Hightower, who the Jets tried to lure with cupcakes a couple of years ago when he was a free agent. He opts out. And then, of course, Patrick Chung, starting safety, he opts out as well. Now, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist, but this is Bill Belichick. It almost feels like he's punting on 2020 and setting himself up for 2021. People have that Trevor Lawrence conspiracy theory going on right now. You got to admit, Manish, it is a little weird that six players, all of them from the Patriots, came out and decided to opt out, and several of them very important players. It does almost feel coordinated. Well, I look, I don't... <laughs> I do, I do not think it was coordinated. These guys are doing things that are right for their families because they are foregoing salaries. So if they had no true concerns about the virus, why would you uh, forego millions of dollars? You're not going to do that for the great, quote-unquote, greater good of the New England Patriots to improve their draft position. Uh, guys don't leave millions of dollars on the table for Bill Belichick uh, to get his quarterback in 2020. And there's obviously no guarantee that that would even happen. I think it's a great coincidence, uh, and I think it's it's fortunate if, if if you can say losing is fortunate. But if the, if the Patriots do indeed struggle, and as you said, look, there's some key contributors there. A Pro Bowl linebacker, your starting right tackle, Patrick Chung. I mean, these are, these are legit players. Uh, so it's going to be very difficult for Bill Belichick to patch all of those holes. And, oh, by the way, they don't have Tom Brady. So... Uh, it's going to be tough sledding. Uh, I, I think ultimately Belichick will make the best of a less than ideal situation. I still don't believe that they're going to have the number one pick, and that's what it's going to take to get Trevor Lawrence. They're not going to have the worst record in the NFL, and I cannot imagine uh, a team passing on Trevor Lawrence because I think that when you look at the you know the bad teams around the NFL, uh, the teams that could potentially have the one pick like really be bad, uh, those teams are probably going to take Trevor Lawrence instead of uh, instead of trading trading down and passing up the opportunity uh but again you know a lot there's a lot that can happen a lot of variables between now and then uh i just think that uh you know this was this was not any kind of coordinated effort i think players are being smart with their own individual situations uh, about whether they want to play or not this season i don't actually think it's coordinated and even if it was, I think Bill Belichick is such a good coach, and McDaniels is as well, that they would find a way to win enough games that there's no way that they would be in the Trevor Lawrence Derby anyway. But it is weird, and it is Bill Belichick, so you can never really count anything out with him. That's how diabolical he is. Manish Mehta covering the Jets for the New York Daily News. Thanks so much for coming on for Midweek with Manish. We will be back tomorrow with Part 2 to really delve into the Jamal Adams situation. In the meantime, Manish, what should people be reading? I'm sure you've got plenty of things up there about what was said at these pressers. And then, of course, we know that you got that exclusive interview with Jamal Adams and everything they can read about what happened with the Adams situation as well. Well, I guess the next thing I'll be looking into is uh, what's next uh, for the Jets. Uh, look, you, you have to discuss the Jamal Adams situation just because of uh, how big of a story it is. Uh, you don't need to talk about it for weeks on end. But uh, you know, giving it a handful of days, uh, you know that that attention is warranted. But then ultimately, uh, you know, you you need to find out and you need to talk and discuss uh, the 2020 Jets. And uh, Jamal Adams is not a part of the 2020 Jets, so I'll be focusing on you know what what could be in store for this team uh, this season and beyond.
Go ahead and read Manish in the Daily News. Follow him on Twitter. If you haven't had a chance to give us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you go ahead and do that for us, greatly appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.